0: I met Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais a couple times now, and he's just such a, a living legend. I had no idea who David Icke was before he came on the really? podcast. But we got in a bit of trouble for, bring, for bringing him to the studio. They referred to him as, an, as a, quote, extremist. An extremist in a
1: cardigan. <laughs> exactly. Well, more more <laughs> extremists should wear cardigans. Hello, welcome back to episode 41 of Two Panels on a Pod. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest. He is the editor for the True Geordie channel. It's the one, the only, Geo
0: welcome thank you for having me ed i've watched your channel for a while now and uh i'm happy to be here both in the gym shop, i can see
1: we are yeah, yeah we've got to keep you know some brand consistency haven't we yeah. you know i mean <laughs> i thought i'd put it on i thought Do you know what we'll we'll try and we'll double up I, I was sort of expecting you to to put it on so i thought i'd match
0: hey good luck. yeah
1: yeah i've been i've I've loved
0: gym Shark for a long time as well i mean yeah. i remember when Gymshark was in its early days i remember back in the day with gym Shark where you couldn't like get anything good you'd go on the website. And there would be like hardly any good stuff. Now I think it's a little bit. I mean, I love Gymshot, but now I think you can just get whatever you want whenever
1: you go on there. So yeah, but, it's, yeah it's pretty incredible it exactly. If they want, if they want to sponsor the podcast, they're more than welcome to. Who wouldn't want to sponsor a word looking yeah. ginger? Yeah, you know I mean, like, come on.
0: <laughs> One of my proudest Instagram followers is actually Ben Francis. So maybe oh, I was three Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a good guess, that. I'll tell you that. Um, one thing I wanted to know about you is like, where did it all start for you? Like, How did you end up becoming True Geordie's editor?
0: All right. So basically, I've been into YouTube for like the, since the longest time, since literally YouTube began. I was a fan of all the old, old school YouTubers like Fred, Ray William Johnson, uh, Smosh, all those like back in the day. So I was always like obsessed with YouTube, but my whole idea was to get into the film industry and work in film. Mm-hmm. so um i went to sixth form and i studied creative media production to get into the film industry and then i went to a film school so i went to westminster film school and during that time because i'm from blackpool originally i don't know if you remember blackpool grind media
1: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. that
0: was all that that was all like sort of kicking off at the time and before it became like a, a national thing it kicked off in blackpool first so it was like sort of like a little t and afghan dan all those lot i knew those guys i like, I wasn't friends with them or anything but i knew of them so there's me at six four wanted to get into the film industry and then uh it was will will and he who actually made the video on blackpool grime media that, mm-hmm. that first made it like a national thing and then i was like oh there's something to like to youtube as well like potentially i could create content like film content on youtube and will was the one who bridged the gap for me to realize like Oh, there's like, you can actually make a, a living on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. So I ended up helping out Will, getting him like Afghan Dan on his uh, YouTube mastermind and things like that. And then it was uh, Will who went on the True Jolly podcast that made me um, start watching the podcast. And then when I went to uni, I was just watching the podcasts all the time and things like that. And so that's when you got um, into
1: that sort of stage. like when, That's when, when he... I became a
0: fan of the podcast. So that's mm-hmm. when I started like watching YouTube like consistently and um, watching like people like Brian consistently and stuff like that. And then, um, I must, so how I started working with Brian is I was um, in my second year of uni and my plan was to go back and uh, become a lifeguard because um, I had a mate who was uh, who basically worked as a lifeguard. He got like mm-hmm. £9 an hour to just sit there, gets
1: a free gym membership and things like that. That's, so that's a I good did job this... is that, isn't it? Just sort of sit there, look good, occasionally yeah. save a child, be a hero, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like Being paid to be a hero, decent job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I take it. Well, listen, I had no interest in saving lives. Like, I,
0: hope, <laughs> I just wish that I could just sit there and like basically just get paid £9 an hour and get a free gym membership. <laughs> anyway, so I was so excited to get this job because I was broke during uni. And um, I went and did this week-long course. I had to pay to do the course, pass the course, and I was literally on my way back to Blackpool to go and get a job as a, as a lifeguard. And then Brian put a tweet out saying, uh, I'm looking for an editor to help me out on a new series. Um, And then I just replied with a link to a documentary I made about Afghan Dan. Just here's a link to a biopic documentary that I made. Mm -hmm. And it was exactly what he was looking for, because then we started working together on a series uh, called True Life Stories. I don't know if you saw that. We did two episodes. Uh, One was on Conor McGregor. The other one was on Kanye West. And then from that, um, I started working on the kickoff and doing a a few small things. And then I went full time soon after that. And then four and a half years later, here we are.
1: That was pretty yeah. lucky. Then the fact that he was just so happened to be looking for somebody to do that documentary style, and you just yeah. so happened to like have a documentary of of Afghan Dan. Was it that ready, ready to sort of send it to him? So you, that was a pretty like lucky moment there, where you're like, I've got it something was, ready to go. But
0: here's the thing: it could have happened a year earlier, but it didn't. Right. And, uh, let me explain. So, <laughs> um, basically, Brian was looking for an editor. I think he did a podcast with like Cal Freezy and Will. Uh, funnily not. Yeah. Will was involved in that as well. And, um, at one point Kyle was telling him the importance of having an editor. I think he was talking about like his editor, Sam at the time saying, you know, you need to get someone in to help you out. There's someone from uni that's motivated. So then I reached out to him on Facebook. I sent this massive like paragraph, basically like please um, like consider me whatever so then he sent me over an intro that someone had made for him and said can you make me an intro better than this and it was one of those things where I spent so long trying to make something good that I ended up just never it was like oh it's been a month now there's like no point in sending anything so I always thought that he would remember me from that whenever I try and because there was a lot of times where he would like look for an editor and I would apply and I'd think oh I'm not heard back because he remembers me as the guy that just basically didn't send anything back and that was almost a year before it happened so this was this wasn't no big paragraph or anything when i when i replied to this tweet it was literally just uh a tweet like a a link it was like a link to a biopic documentary i made and then he was in a dm straight away and he was like this is exactly what I'm looking for.
1: And so from yeah. that point, did you start immediately working with Brian and Lawrence then on their work? Like, did you meet up with them face to face or were you just like, oh, was it like a Zoom call or something? I wouldn't want to be Zoom back then. But like, how, how did you first meet? Do you remember first meeting them?
0: Yeah. So I was a big fan of the podcast. So I was quite like nervous to meet them. Um, so that was just over Twitter for the, for the longest time. And then I went to go meet them in there. At that point, we had they had offices in uh, Victoria because they were with a production company at the time. Mm -hmm. So I went to go and meet Lawrence first there. And that was the first time I met Lawrence. And I was like, it's mad to say now, but I was like proper starstruck to meet Lawrence back then. (laughs) Uh, And then um, I I got the footage then to start working on the the Conor McGregor documentary. So the Mm -hmm. first time I met Brian was like to show him the first draft. Of the Conor McGregor documentary. Wow. So it I was must like, be like nervous, like bit... double nervous. You know yeah, there must I mean? have been
1: a little bit of time between receiving the footage and meeting him there. Like, sure, because that takes a bit of time to do. Oh, it was like, I think maybe
0: like a week and a half, two weeks. Oh,
1: right. Wow. Yeah. Right.
0: I wasn't given like, like a lot of time to do it, but it was a, it, the good thing was, is it was a brand new series. So there was not like, like a, um, a, a boundary already set for how good I had to make it. Like it yeah, was already, so no expectations. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So anyways, but he really liked it. And he said, you know, if this works out, I can offer you consistent work. Um, So the kickoff was in its infancy then. The first season had just finished. So then I started getting paid to sort of do little like highlight reels of the kickoff every week. And I'm not a football fan. I still am not a football fan. Mm -hmm. Never have been a football fan. But I would get the kickoff and I'd make it into like a, like a, this week last week on the kickoff to promote every show as it was going on and then we worked together and started shows like true news a few other shows obviously at like the showdown uh the knockout became a bit bigger thing and yeah now i think there's like sort of seven shows that consistently run on the true Jody channel
1: and is your job yeah. exclusively editing or do you do other things behind the scenes as well do you work on the cameras or do you have does someone else do that uh, over time i've done a bit of uh, everything i even during covid
0: actually presented a few things like on mm-hmm. true news but yeah pri- primarily editing sometimes i'll set up um for the podcast and things like that because we all of our cameras are in house like luckily we don't have to you know whenever we use new camera people we don't have to bring in more cameras it's all in um all there so yeah camera editing is our main thing do a bit of camera work um tiny bit of producing and uh, obviously, I've done a bit of presenting as well, which was fun.
1: And what, what was that first time meeting Brian like then? Because you say, obviously, you, you know presenting some work to him that, you, that you've done for the first time. Like, how was how How were you feeling at that point? I was super nervous, but I was lucky because they were shooting an
0: EXO podcast at the time. So I went in and I knew Will and Stephen right. through the BGM stuff. So they were there. So when I went in, Will was like, Geo and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. That's sort of like, there's people here that I know. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'd met Lawrence uh, like a, a few weeks earlier, so um, I, it was nerve-wracking. But the thing is, Brian is even though he's a big like guy, he's also like super easy to be around, and he's super chill, you know. Mm-hmm. So my my nerves went down pretty quick
1: and have you essentially now become almost like the third member of the true Geordie podcast would you say I mean I've heard, I'm sure I've heard like Brian and Lawrence speak about you in that sense like you are sort of like the third person really aren't you
0: yeah I don't know I never sort of see myself like that uh, I think Brian actually did tell me that once it was really nice of him to say because obviously I was such a huge fan of the podcast mm. like I remember when I first started I was really scared at the idea of sitting at a table with both Brian and Lawrence because I was like oh my gosh it feels like I'm almost on the podcast at this point uh I don't know. Yeah, he told me that once. He said um, you're sort of like the third like, leg to this um, mm-hmm. thing. Bit of a and... weird expression to use, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, how, and how is uh, how is it when you're in those sort of like chats around the table with them? Like, is it the sort? Of, did you feel any sort of like pressure when you first were doing it? Because, like, how much work had you done prior to that in that sort of like YouTube scene? Have you done many sort of things like this, or was this you know your first? Funny? yeah
0: so brian wasn't actually the first youtuber i worked with so when i went obviously as i said before i started working with afghan dan but nothing serious it wasn't like full-time work or anything it was just he wanted to branch away from youtube media and do his own stuff so i was like you know we can help you out shoot some music videos so he was the first youtube personality i worked for Mm -hmm. and then when i first moved to london i became friends with will george memulus um and um george lived at the time with a guy called ham halal ham oh yeah so the first youtuber i actually worked with uh not on a full-time basis but sort of part-time consistently was ham so that was very different content to brian like he uh, would do music videos and stuff like that but yeah so uh i yeah that was the first sort of youtuber i worked with
1: but but yeah. you found sort of the you found transitioning from that to Brian's content. You found that all right. Like you found your feet pretty quickly or what?
0: Yeah, because here's the thing, I love Ham, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't Ham's demographic. You right. know what I mean? Ham has a very particular demographic and I wouldn't be the I was watching his content. So I had to learn a lot to be able to make his content. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean, um whereas with Brian, I didn't. I was already a fan of the stuff. So it was easy for me to make the videos because it was what I would watch anyways that makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and what are those guys like behind the scenes? And would people be surprised uh, about how they are behind the scenes? Because obviously people have a range of different opinions on Brian and Lawrence. Like some people really like them. Some people more recently have, have been a little bit like, oh God, I don't like some of the things that they've said, that kind of thing. But what, what are they really like behind camera? I mean, both of them super down to earth. I mean, you know, Brian is exactly
0: the same off camera like he is on camera. Uh, Lawrence is exactly the same. I'd say Lawrence is a little bit more chill when he's not on camera, I think the most accurate representation of how they are in person is how they are on a podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, I met YouTubers before. I won't name any names that are just completely different. You know, when you meet them in person, it's almost like two different people. Whereas Brian and Lawrence, I mean, you can't spend hours and hours and hours in front of camera and not, you know, be that accurate representation of yourself. So, yeah, super chill, super down to earth.
1: It's difficult to not be yourself on a podcast, really, isn't it? Like, because yeah. they obviously go on for so long, like you've got to just be who you are, really. Like that's sort of like the real window into who that person is. And I do yeah, find it's way. really weird when you meet YouTubers. I'm not I've not met loads of YouTubers, but the few that I have met, you do quickly realise who's sort of more or like who they are on camera. Who sort of is clearly like sculpts themselves a little bit on camera and that kind of thing. And obviously, you kind of get it. Like we're we're in the end sort of entertainment industry like there never to be, there's going to be some sort of dialing up of like you know, your personality or whatever because you're going to be trying entertaining that kind of thing but yeah it is always strange when you see like a completely different side to someone or completely different personality isn't it exactly yeah. yeah luckily most of the youtubers i've met i think there's only been a handful of
0: instances where i've met someone not like them generally everyone in this youtube space and you know this the uk youtube community is so small i mean i've been in rooms before where it's been literally everyone Who's anybody in the YouTube scene in the UK, at least in the top echelon, and they're all in the same room and they're all friends. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's so it's a, such a small, tight knit community. It is, it yeah. is it.
1: from from like the few glimpses that I've seen of it. It definitely is. I've I've noticed that like everyone just seems to sort of get on with everyone. Like it is quite a nice sort of feeling, which I was quite surprised about really, because you expect like big personalities to clash and that kind of thing, but it doesn't happen as much as you think. No, I
0: think it happens more in the states. I think I don't think yeah. that they have that same sort of like um, closeness in the states but definitely not in the UK, YouTube scene now.
1: Yeah. um, I wanted to also ask you about like the different guests that have been on the podcast. Obviously, you've got to meet a lot of people, a lot of like mm-hmm. really well-known people. Who's the, who was your sort of like favorite person that you've met that's been on the podcast?
0: Oh, wow. this Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, there I mean, there's few, been there's so a few many names. Especially yeah. this year. Now, for me, I'm a huge fight fan. So whenever, I don't really get starstruck anymore because mm-hmm. I meet quite a lot of people that come onto the podcast. The only exception of that is when we meet when I'm when I meet uh, the, the fighters so for instance like this year we had um, three in particular we had Michael Bisping who for those who don't know is the only UFC British champion uh, we had the current middleweight champion Israel Adesanya and then uh, the current heavyweight champion Francis Ngani so those have been the three highlights for me this year um, but who's been my favorite overall you know what? It probably has to be Ricky Gervais. I met Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais a couple of times now, and he's just such a a living legend. You know what I mean? So uh, he's probably number one. Yeah, Louis Theroux was another one as well. Mm-hmm. That was another one that I didn't I didn't think I'd ever meet. And the funny thing about Louis Theroux is, afterwards, he followed me on Instagram, but I don't think he meant to do that. I think it might have been like a uh, a mistake. I think the he might have thought because the similar thing happened. Yeah, no, a similar thing happened with Ricky Chavez and uh, and Elliot. So Elliot tweeted out after the Ricky Chavez podcast, love sitting in for the podcast or whatever. And then Rick and then Ricky followed him, but not Lawrence. So we thought maybe he thought that Lawrence was Elliot, <laughs> and he thought he was just sitting in for the podcast or whatever. That was <laughs> his so then when Libby, yeah, exactly. Whereas <laughs> when, when Libby followed me, he might have just accidentally thought I was Lawrence when he was scrolling. Right. So. That's all right. And he's st- then, he's he not following me yet. I, I blocked him from viewing my my stories because then I, I hardly ever post on Instagram, so he's not. There's less chance of him seeing a post and going, "Who who the fuck's this?" and following.
1: Yeah, but yeah, Louis was sound to meet that. He's following for life now. You've got him for mm. life. You've got to keep him, you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. If I could block him from viewing my posts, I would.
1: I, I imagine that there was a few like big names. There. I mean, like Tyson Fury, for example. Like that was. Oh yeah, that was you know, a big one thing, as well.
0: No. Tyson Fury, yeah, it was good, but I like it. And obviously guests can bring whoever you want and they, they, whatever, but Tyson Fury comes in with like a big entourage. Like last time when he came on the podcast, he was with his dad, who mm-hmm. is a big guy himself, and then like a load of other people. Um, and usually when a guest comes in with so many people, it changes the vibe a little bit and not in a bad way, but like, for instance, when Louis Theroux came, he came um, on his own on a bike he literally just backed to the studio I, I think he'd, he'd lived like around the corner or whatever um and he immediately as he came in as if he was shooting a documentary like he was super curious about everything around the room So like he was just walking around with Lawrence asking questions about everything <laughs> and it was almost like watching a Louis documentary like just like happen in front of me but I wasn't starstruck at all when I met Louis because of how chill he was when he
1: came in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, about, yeah. That would have been a good moment to have sort of seen him like in person, just doing his thing. He can't turn it off, can he? Once you're, when yeah. you're Louis through, you've got to be him all the time now. Yeah, exactly. Like he was on. walking around like, yeah, so what's this? And <laughs> oh, is that Brian when he was younger? Wow. Yeah. Is he in the Muppets? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 Lawrence does a really good one.
0: He does this. Uh, what, what, was he, what does he say for Louis? He goes, is that something we can do? Right, is that something we can do I I love a John Fiori impression oh yeah (laughs) I can't do John Fiori I was with Shifer Bates the other day you know Shifer Bates the impressionist Uh I was with him at the UFC and he was just constantly doing impressions he's so funny (laughs) But yeah. I do
1: imagine that when they do bring like a bit of an entourage, like it could be a little bit more sort of intimidating, or you could you've got them people maybe right. chatting off camera and that kind of thing. Like, just yeah, some people her. just like having all the
0: boys with them and stuff. You know what I mean? Like uh, Francis and Garner obviously came with a lot of people. So did, so did Israel Adesanya. Um, but then sometimes you get like Eddie Hearn who just showed up on his own and things like that. Mm -hmm. As I say, like, you know, guests can bring whoever they want. Obviously we have the space to accommodate that at the, at the studio, but, um, it is a nicer vibe in my opinion, when they just
1: sort of rock in with like either just the PA or just on their own. Which guest was sort of better than expected? Was the one where you are like, oh, I wasn't really maybe expecting a lot from you, but you've actually delivered more as I expecting it. You know what? I had no idea who David Icke was
0: before he came on the podcast. Yeah, so I remember at the time, I asked Adam Boltwood, who used to be our producer, uh, oh, who who's the podcast with today? And he said, David Icke. And I went, no idea who that is. <laughs> so then I get to the studio, and this little, like, fragile-looking, no offence, David Icke, if he's watching this for whatever reason, uh, fragile-looking, um, quite small old man comes in and in a little blue cardigan. Lovely cardigan. And I loved it. And yeah. Yeah. And he's sort of quiet beforehand and Lawrence is, you know, making jokes with him and things. And, uh, he doesn't seem to be like engaging much with the jokes or whatever. And I was like, who is this guy? Still have no idea who he is (laughs) anyways. So then we sit down for the podcast and my expectations for the podcast are quite small. Like I didn't think it was going to be an amazing pod. And when I tell you my mind was blown, I remember afterwards just like I just questioned the world afterwards. <laughs> it was it, it was an, such an amazing podcast, and I urge anyone that's not seen that to go watch the David Ike podcast that, that, that on the True Geordie channel. It got shadow banned from YouTube, so um, it? when it first went out, it was it bombed view wise. But then over time, it's become like I think one of the most popular podcasts on the channel.
1: Yeah, it's pretty mad that one. It's like isn't it like three or four hours long or something?
0: Yes, but yeah. we I think we actually cut it down as well. <laughs> I think it was the most toilet breaks
1: Brian took during the pod that we cut out. Really? That's one thing I do remember about that, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty mad podcast was that. I mean, David Icke, what a a character he is. I mean, even though I don't agree with everything he says, I like hearing alternative opinions. I like hearing sort of like just mad stuff that makes you question things. Oh, yes.
0: I'm all for that, bro. I'm all for listening to people that I don't particularly agree with and forming my own opinions and you know, especially people like David Icke, who I don't agree with everything he says. Because here's the thing with David Icke, and this is a a um a criticism that Brian has of him. He doesn't just believe in one or two conspiracy theories. If there is a conspiracy theory out there, he believes in all of them pretty much. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's difficult to sort of
1: like get behind uh, someone like that. And yeah, they're all sort I mean, of connected, and, I, and if and after like one conspiracy, that can be explained by another conspiracy. It's like this sort mm. like constant conspiracy theory loop. Yeah, and it's exactly. like maybe one or two of them might be right. Maybe there might be some like truth to some of them, but then when yeah. it gets to like all of them, it's like oh. Yeah, exactly. Calm down, bro. Calm down. (laughs) Take it with a pinch of salt, maybe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I love the fact that he's committed his life to it, though. I love the fact that that, that's his life now. Yeah. It's just that. But also, people hate him. We
0: actually, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but we got in a bit of trouble for for bringing him to the studio by the people that owned the the building. Oh, wow. They weren't too happy with with him being there, I guess. Obviously, he's been very controversial in the past, so he said things that uh, are very bad. So um, I think maybe something to do with that. But yeah, we got in a bit of trouble.
1: Really? They oh, were so... just
0: not too happy about that.
1: All ah, right. Well, just
0: because of his views and that kind of thing. I think actually Brian has said this publicly. Um, they, yeah, they, they refer to him as, an, as a, quote, extremist. Really? Wow. Which, if you see him in person, he, is, he looks anything but. But you know what I mean? Like That's what they called him. <laughs>
1: an extremist in a cardigan. Exactly. <laughs> More <laughs> extremists should wear cardigans. That's what what his uh, Tinder bio should be.
0: Yeah. I shouldn't see seeing David Icke on Tinder.
1: (laughs) I'd swipe right. Yeah, so would I. So would I. (laughs) Um, Who would you uh, love to have on as like uh, a guest in the future? Like what's what's the sort of guests that you haven't had on yet, but you'd love to get on? You know what? I've always,
0: whenever someone asks me this, I always say Conor McGregor. I feel Mm. like getting Brian and Conor McGregor in a room would be amazing. It would be such a good podcast uh purely based on like you know the history they've had with one another. Brian being such a big McGregor fan, and then coming out and criticizing him for punching an old man and stuff. And obviously, uh, Brian knows so much about Conor McGregor, so it'd be such a great interview, and I could really deep dig in, uh, dig deep, dig deep into the psyche of him because right now I think he's going through a a very crazy sort of part of his career where he doesn't need to do anything more, but he wants to do more. And um yeah, he's an odd one, McGregor. He's I feel lost like...
1: his way a bit, hasn't he, over the like, over recent years? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like he can
0: retire. He's done everything there is to do in the sport. Like it'll be very hard and maybe impossible for anyone to um, top his accomplishments. And he was the first to do a lot of them as well. I think Brian could really dig into that um in a in a in a podcast. And th- there's a lot of times where people interview McGregor and it's very much like just you know. Licking his ass, basically and i don't think brian would do that i think brian would actually challenge him more so than he's ever been than he could ever be challenged by i love the guys but the guys that like bt sport for instance i don't think yeah. they're gonna really challenge um mcgregor in a way that brian could so if a true geordie mcgregor podcast ever happened it'll be one of those podcasts that are like, like the best
1: ever i will be pretty mad with that uh, do you mm-hmm. think conor mcgregor is aware of anything Brian said about him do you think he'll have seen any of the videos Without a doubt. I mean, some of them, like when that
0: whole punching an old man thing happened, the video got like 3 million views in the space of like a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, whenever we have McGregor in a title, it always bangs views. So, you know, McGregor's kind of like that insecure kind of guy, even though he's like the the top of the top, like he responds to people on Twitter all the time. And he has to be aware of of, of Brian. He has to be, whether he likes him or not. No one's ever said anything. I don't think there's ever been direct correspondence, Um, so we don't know. Obviously, Brian's had John Kavanaugh, He's coach, on the podcast. Yeah, Dylan Dennis isn't the biggest fan of Brian, and Brian, I think vice versa. But I, McGregor's definitely aware of of the content that Brian's made. Yeah, I it's hope he's seen a documentary.
1: Yeah, he's a yeah, documentary cool. as well.
0: That's got five million views. Has it? That was wow. the f- here's, a, here's a fun fact about that 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 doc. That was the first thing I ever did for Brian. And I've never, ever, ever topped it in terms of views. There's never been a video <laughs> that I've made that has got more views than that on the channel.
1: Never you peaked, topped it. You peaked. very early. I there. Peaked, I
0: peaked at the
1: first video. <laughs> <laughs> but it's unbelievable to see like how his trajectory is like because he was on one hell of a trajectory to begin with, like really like going off, and it was clearly like incredibly, incredibly talented. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how like the, the money and the fame has has really sort of, or I assume it's that, has sort of moved him. into a different place where he's just not performing at that same level. It's everything. It's the money. It's the fame. It's the
0: fact that he also took two years off, came back, and fought that the who many considered to be one of the greatest fighters of all time in Khabib. And he had this just belief in his mind that he was still the best. And the the game had had been going as he stopped. And you Mm -hmm. can't just jump back in with these guys that are literally doing nothing but training and working all the time. Like the caliber of fighters now, there is just not that many fights for McGregor right now to be able to. Um, not man, not many winnable fights for him at the moment. You know, there's a few, but he can't just be calling out the likes of Kamara Usman, who, for those who don't know, is the is the welterweight champion, and and being serious with that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like he needs to either take exhibition fights or these sort of like winnable fights in the UFC, which are uh, getting less and less for him as time goes
1: on yeah he definitely comes across as delusional when he starts saying like he can beat the top of the game it's like come on come on Mm. um one thing you mentioned there about obviously five million views on that uh, conor mcgregor documentary like how does it feel to get hundreds of thousands of views and millions of views on these videos and for so many people to be seeing your work is there pressure with that no
0: there's not pressure i think it's definitely like uh, oh this video performed well or over time you go jesus this podcast had you know two million views or whatever but I definitely wouldn't say there's no pressure attached to that. It's almost impossible to sort of quantify, like in sort of like imagining your mind. So, you know, the idea of, I mean, how many football stadiums would 5 million people fit into? Like, Yeah. If you can think of that many people sort of watching the video, like it's hard to even imagine. So I try not to think about it, Mm -hmm. but still like whenever I'm editing anything, like whether it's for Brian or whoever, I never think about
1: that right yeah is is it more about just thinking right brian and lawrence are going to see that oh i'm gonna have to show this to brian and lawrence or, or do you even show them it before it gets uploaded
0: yeah brian's yeah. super involved in the process right. so um over time as well like when i first started i think brian was a little bit more hands-off but now brian actually sort of knows how to like work editing softwares and stuff and he knows he's very creative and obviously mm-hmm. he's a visionary so he wants things to be done in a very particular way and um so, for instance, like with podcast intros, I'll make the first draft of the intro and then I can sit with Brian and he can literally physically go in and change the bits that he wants to, which is good because he doesn't have to explain to me. He can actually sort of do it himself. And then we work together in a creative process to be able to create the final product. So before everything we do, me and Brian will sit together and go through it like I won't say painstakingly, but we will go through everything before it goes out.
1: It's interesting mm-hmm. to hear that, because I think sometimes people look at Brian, they go, oh, big guy, uh, you know, big muscly guy. They don't often think, like, creative guy. Like, they don't see the behind-the-scenes part, do they? But there must be some clear creativity there to be able to build what he's built. I don't know how many
0: uh, YouTubers are as creatively uh, involved in their own edits. Uh, if there's many more, if there's... Do you think Brian is is super creatively involved? Like, more so than a lot of other YouTubers, definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: And are there many like disagreements behind the scenes or like arguments behind the scenes like around sort of creative things like the direction of the channel or different shows, that kind of thing? Are there many disagreements though?
0: There's definitely disagreements. I wouldn't say arguments. Don't get me wrong. There's been times in the past where me and Brian have got heated over things. Um, Not so much now. Um, I think obviously these issues get ironed out early on. And I feel like the good, the reason why me and Brian have worked so well for so long is our compatibility. And we are aligned creatively when it comes to a lot of things. Like we have uh, agreements, more agreements than disagreements. In fact, I think that there's, me and Brian are more actually uh, creatively aligned than him and Lawrence are.
1: I oh, feel wow, like wow. him and
0: Lawrence actually have a lot of creative disagreements because obviously um, Lawrence is very, um, very, very creative. Like he's a director and he has these ideas set in one way. And um, sometimes more often than not, him and Brian will disagree on things, whereas me and Brian, I think our creative ideas about things are a lot more aligned. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's disagreements, you know, and sometimes uh, it's beneficial. I think in any creative process, it's better to have disagreements because then you can talk things through and find out the best way to do something because there is no right way of doing anything when it Mm -hmm. comes to creativity and I think that's super important for people listening That you know, editors or whatever, you know, there is no right way of doing anything. You can do things in many different ways, but you can talk through sort of the, you know, ways that benefit the audience in one way better than the other. So that's what me and Brian always try and work towards is like, okay, this is good, but is it too long? Would people get bored? We're constantly thinking about, you know, the audience of people watching it, like what is going to engage them the most? Like these mm-hmm. podcast shows look completely different the first time I draft them to the ones that go out live. So, yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: And and would those sort of disagreements be about like how quick you want the edits? Is it about lighting? Is it about camera angles? Is it about the video ideas and concepts themselves? About different shows? Like where what are the sort of where would the disagreements mainly lie?
0: Oh yeah. Um obviously for me when it comes to an editing standpoint, uh, what do our disagreements usually happen over?
1: Uh is it small things like the grade? Like, oh, like we have a bit
0: more blue? more orange yeah we go over the i don't don't think any youtube channel goes over grades more than we do
1: yeah (laughs) i can tell like i can tell there's a lot of good sometimes
0: because obviously a lot of people yeah a lot of people obviously compliment the production quality and we've just brought a brand new editor in who we can speak about in a bit but um he's he's a grading expert so he's made our lives 10 times easier but yeah uh grades is sometimes we have disagreements on that as well um but yeah it's usually small things we never usually have big disagreements and and usually when we have big disagreements, we're usually able to get over them really easily. So, mm-hmm. yeah, usually pacing. I think sometimes, when I first came into the channel, I came in with like a film approach to things. I remember the first time I did the, well, when I was doing the Conor McGregor documentary, I was trying to edit it as if it was a Netflix documentary. But we had to also have a balance of this is YouTube. We can't have these long drawn out pauses and, you mm-hmm. know, just letting things just go down to soft music and stuff we need to make sure that people are constantly engaged and that's a very important part of youtube you've got to make sure people are engaging the content and sticking around especially with like watch time and stuff like that so i think yeah pacing is probably our main sort of thing that we disagree on sometimes mm-hmm. but it's very rare
1: i was going to ask you about the new editor actually you mentioned the new editor editor there i was going to ask if that was as a replacement for you or as, as an additional editor like i didn't know because i saw they were looking for a new editor i was like oh what's happening here ah okay
0: so he isn't a replacement for me
1: right but
0: uh i can exclusively say i've never i've not actually said this publicly but i'm actually leaving the channel next month really next exclusive next month yeah
1: oh what how come what's
0: what's going on Uh, nothing's going on uh it's just that i've done the channel now for four and a half years or it will be next month four and a half years Mm -hmm. uh, and i feel like it's my time to sort of like hand the baton over and sort of close the book uh on a high and just be happy with everything that i've sort of done on the channel you know what i mean yeah Yeah. so it was a very difficult decision obviously i love what i do and it's been an absolute dream job i mean brian you know they say you have two sort of fathers in life you have your actual father and then you have somebody if you're a man uh who you know um takes you into your sort of first stage of life or whatever and Brian's definitely been that for me he's been a mentor and many other things but um so I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that were given to me but I, I just feel like I'm at the age now where I don't want to sort of look back in 10 years time or whatever or when I gets like 30 and be like oh and I did this thing for 10 years like I'm happy to go four and a half years to just you know how for instance Quentin Tarantino film director he wants to sort of Cap his sort of films at 10 year, at ten, and then mm-hmm. be like, and that is sort of my work and it speaks for itself. That's how I feel about sort of my work on the channel. I want to move on to other things and be able to go when I'm older and look back. I did this for four and a half years. I worked on this channel. We did all these great things and I'm happy with that. And, you know, become a fan of the channel again and watch it grow without me as being part of it. Well,
1: I was surprised. I wasn't expecting
0: that. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't know whether I thought I was going to say it. <laughs> no, I mean, let me know if you want me to
1: cut it out or not. No, it's so fine. It's you. fine.
0: It's fine. No, it will be public knowledge soon. But this is the most, this is the. That's the exclusive drop mm-hmm. of that. But the new guy that we brought in, funnily enough, his name is Adam, and he's an exceptionally talented um, editor. And the funny thing about Adam is he was. he's also from Blackpool. He, also, he went to uh, the same sixth form as I did, did the same course as I did, and he was in the year below me, but we never spoke. Really? So throughout the entirety of sixth form, we never spoke. And then I went to the University of Westminster and studied film. He went to the University of Westminster and studied, uh, I believe it was, uh, contemporary media production. Mm-hmm. So same campus. We went to the same sixth form, same university, same campus, just different courses there. And he applied, and we thought his application was great we brought him down um for a day at the kickoff where he could see meet brian and things like that and then we just got him working and he's moved to london and uh he's absolutely killing it and i have the full belief that adam is going to take uh hopefully the true geordie channel to that next level and he can yeah so uh, technically he actually is my replacement but we are bringing somebody else in as well as 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 adam because uh, as the channel goes forward it's going to be uh, far more consistent. Obviously, we live in an age now where it's not good enough to just have a podcast. You have to be active on shorts. You have to be active on TikTok. You have to be active on Instagram reels and things like that. Yeah. So I feel like uh, we're obviously bringing in a new editor soon, very soon, and then potentially even more over the next uh, couple of months. But I'm, not going to be part of the True Jordy channel, unfortunately. So, and so, what's your, that from
1: a distance. what's your future plans then? What What do you want to go on and do? Are you staying in YouTube? Are you going away from YouTube now? Yeah, I can't talk too much about it. I can tell you off camera, <laughs> but generally, uh, yeah, I'm.
0: I'm going to be staying in YouTube without a doubt. Different challenges. Kind of yeah, exactly. New challenges. That's the thing for me. Like you know, a lot of the reasons why I left, why I'm leaving, is because um, I felt like. The, I'm at an age now where I'm able to make mistakes like um, when I'm 30 and later on in life when I have kids like and say for instance I need to be in a job that requires me to be uh more settled I'm not going to be able to take risks and make mistakes mm-hmm. whereas now is the opportunity to do that so mm-hmm. as much as I wish I could will not wish but like as much as it would be great to just stay and stick out the channel for the next uh, 10 years whatever I need to have the opportunity to take risks like my dad for instance and my mom they were traveling America when I, they were my age and they got to sort of live this whole life before having me and my sister so I sort of want to do the same thing I want to go and meet people and I want to um, broaden my horizons um, and be able to just look back and be like oh yeah and then the True Geordie channel was a great thing that I did and if there was a True Geordie Hall of Fame I'd like to think that I'd go down on that and be you
1: know proud of what I've done on the channel yeah definitely for sure and and also I imagine like the the long there must be long hours involved like it's pretty consistently uploading editing that kind of thing I can't imagine you get loads and loads of breaks either so it must be a good opportunity for you to like maybe try and have a bit more relaxation times at, at moments as well
0: yeah. I mean, right now I've managed to um, figure out that balance a bit better. When I first started, I made the mistake. And I think a lot of people do this. You get overexcited and you just want to prove that you can do all this work. So you're working all the time. You're putting hours and hours and hours in, doing all night all the time, watching, um, looking at screens all the time. And I, and I was doing that consistently all the time. And it basically just ruined my sleeping pattern, ruined my health, ruined a lot of other things. And I must want well to let people know, like you can be an editor or be a creative and not do those things. Like it's super important to get sleep. It's super important to eat right, look after your health, and it also makes you more creative. Like it's difficult to be creative if you're just working all the time. Yeah, you need and that sort of free
1: space, don't you? You need the, the balance,
0: bro. That's the thing. You need the balance. You need to be able to be like, be creative. And the only way you can be creative is when you're well rested and um, you're looking after yourself. And that's the mistake that I made. And I got into there's obviously been parts during the last four and a half years where I have felt like not creative or not motivated. And I've realized it's probably just because I felt burnt out because I've been working too much, but that's all self-inflicted. That's not like Brian's fault or Lawrence's fault or whatever. That's because I've just been pushing myself too much. And you don't need to do that. Like the yeah. hustle lifestyle is a thing of the past. Like you just need to look after yourself. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, editing is, it, you know, there is a lot of hours that go into it, but you also have the freedom to be able to sort of like balance that yourself. As long as you hit deadlines and stuff, then you're good. But yeah. Mm.
1: And it's that sort of like feeling of wanting to go above and beyond, is it? When you, when you first start a job, it's like, particularly it's a job that you want to do so badly. Like with people that you've really looked up to and liked, uh, you just want to go above and beyond, don't you? I
0: remember. Yeah. So I remember the way I described it to my girlfriend when I was first talking to Brian is right now, because we were chatting on DMs and stuff and, um, at first, actually, he, I don't think he was that keen on on bringing me on because let me explain. Like he said, um, right, you sound great for the job. When I sent him the Afghan documentary, um, can you come pick up the footage on this this Friday? Now I had just gone down to Blackpool to get a job as a lifeguard, so I didn't have the money to go back to London. Like I was broke, so I was. Mm-hmm. Thinking, I had already bought my return ticket for like I think maybe like the next the Tuesday after, and he wanted me to go up on the Friday prior to get the the footage. So I said, oh, bro, I, I can't go up. But if you want to send me the footage, I can work on it from home and stuff. Um, And then he like, he didn't reply to me for like three days. And I was like, oh, no. I took some videos that he had done on Conor McGregor. And I made like a trailer based on the way that we he pitched the idea to me originally for the True Life stories before we even shot anything. So I made that. I sent it over to him. And then he said, okay, you proved your point. Um, I'm going to go with you. So then the way I described it to my girlfriend was like, Right now, I'm like a, I was. Well, before that, I was a three in his mind or a four. I need to make myself a ten. I need to make myself to the point where he goes. I have no choice but to to bring this guy on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Girl. And what's
1: your like uh, plans? Like, do you do you ever want to go into like TV and film, or do you always want to stick on YouTube now? I'm. Um, I
0: i do not know. Here's the thing. Obviously, I went to film school. I've got a lot of friends who work in the film industry. No disrespect to them. Some of them are killing it but everyone's got their own departments and stuff. So you can't just go in and be a filmmaker in the same way that you can on YouTube. Like the amount of creative freedom that you get on YouTube to be able to like walk into like, the studio, for instance, and have your uh, creative input actually reflected in the work. You don't get that same. Mm-hmm. um You don't get the same in the film industry and, and in TV, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I feel I feel like YouTube is like the next thing though. Like it obviously right now, more kids nowadays are consuming content on TikTok and YouTube way more than TV and even film. So maybe um down the line, but right now I feel like there's just so much potential in YouTube and it's just so fun. You know what I mean? I, I I'm I'm always um I've always been against goals. So like um people get the mindset on something and they go, right. I'm going to strive for this one thing and that's all well and good because it motivates you but then it's like Tyson Fury when he won the um unified heavyweight championship like you get there and you go what what's what is the now like you've reached the top of the mountain you've just got to come down
1: mm-hmm. you know what I
0: mean yeah. for me life is all about trajectories and it's all about setting up exciting paths for you to take and then pick up the cherries along the way you know what I mean like and enjoy life for what it is based on trajectories not goals mm-hmm. goals in some ways are counterintuitive so Um, I feel like YouTube for me is a great trajectory and I'm enjoying like everything I do. So definitely feels
1: like the place to be, doesn't it? Like this, this definitely feels like, you know, it's the most forward thinking place to be as opposed to like TV. You just always feel like they're sort of lagging behind now.
0: Yeah, exactly that's the thing i never watch tv the only thing my girlfriend watches is love island and i can't stand it so (laughs) that's it
1: um i also wanted to ask like would you ever consider making your own channel like doing your own videos and that kind of thing because obviously we've seen you on true news a few times i think now Uh, Mm -hmm. would you ever consider like doing your own videos that kind of thing or are you very much like editing you know what
0: like what i don't love is the youtube game i couldn't imagine myself being sat there trying to think of like um, like we spoke briefly about Max Farsh earlier or like Nico or that's sort of like the new age of YouTube in my opinion mm-hmm. having like a crazy idea and having to think about executing that I don't know if I would enjoy uh, doing that and then being sort of in front of camera and stuff I'd have to do something that I'd really love now I really love MMA and I really love combat sports um, and I've done a bit of my own combat sports content already so I've done uh, a few TikToks and things like that I would love to do more stuff like that when I'm just talking about things that I love love like mma mm-hmm. so i feel like potentially when i leave uh that's something that i'm gonna start so like this microphone and this camera for instance i bought it uh potentially to start streaming at all like boxing events um or even just record tiktoks where i'm breaking down an upcoming ufc co- card or whatever and i've noticed that a lot of my audience on twitter are ufc fans so um there's a good sort of place to start there so i'd love to do something like that and i definitely see that as something that i'm potentially um, that i'm probably gonna do
1: yeah, I mean that—that that definitely seems like a, a good thing so for you to do. Yeah, because it, it does feel like you have—you clearly have a bit of like a, a UFC uh, audience, like quite clearly. You know a lot about it. You should—I think you should definitely do it. To be honest with you, I think you should definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like, I
0: bought all this stuff a while ago, and then I've been so busy with other stuff that I've actually not been able to uh, properly get into it. But um, I feel like when I've got more free time, um, I'll I'll uh, definitely do that.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Find, finding the time to do it. Because it is it ends up being a bit of a time commitment, doesn't it? But if you're enjoying it, then that's the most important thing. Oh, I love doing it. I remember I made a few TikToks um, what,
0: on my birthday, for instance. This So this year, my birthday just gone, I had nothing to do. And I could have just sat and done nothing. But I was like, no, it's my birthday. I want to do something that I like. I want to do. I ended up just making a TikTok where I did a react. uh, I I broke down uh, an upcoming UFC event at the time. Yuri Prohaska, the Glover Teixeira. And I was like, I spent the whole day doing that. Uh, And you could say that's working, but I enjoyed doing it. And it was the exact way I wanted to spend my birthday so yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's the that. thing
1: isn't it when when you enjoy doing something it doesn't even feel like work like it's just so exactly uh, it's, it's so strange yeah. i've been doing this sort of like i've been out outside of education now for like five years and i just feel like i'm on my summer holidays like for the last five <laughs> years Do you know what i mean it's just it's pretty mad <laughs> it's all
0: right when it when you enjoy I was stuff. so signed off yeah exactly I was so signed off with education so, so my, I did I did I did everything apart from a master's so I did um obviously high school I did college I went to uni and then my last year of uni I was working with Brian and Brian actually offered um me to go full-time um before my third year he was like fancy sacking off the last year and doing full-time with me and uh at that point I just i had done everything all I had to do was one more year I was like there's no point in in doing that so um I respectfully declined that offer and I was like listen just get through this one year my last year of uni and then I'll go full-time with you which is what happened but my last year bro I was so demotivated I was so lucky that I had nothing to do but uni work in my second year so I smashed that year I got like a good grade so my third year grade was like pretty bad but it leveled out so I ended Mm -hmm. up getting like a 2-1 overall because like I got like a really high 2-1 second year and basically like a third whatever you call it last last year
1: well it's good that at least like, you've got a degree as well you have got that to fall back on like if youtube just went away today you've still got that which is good I mean yeah, i, don't, I, don't I guess that. but i mean for me uni wasn't about getting a degree like uni was about going
0: to london because where i'm from blackpool not many people go to um go to uni in in london like people just stick around to like manchester leicester uh, and leicester, yeah manchester leeds mm-hmm. uh, liverpool not many people go to london so for me I wanted I had to go to London because of the industry obviously the film industry basically mainly in London so I needed an excuse to be up be over there and obviously it's too expensive to just go on my own so um I was like well I will go to uni obviously student
1: loans I could sort myself Taxical. out there and I did it exactly <laughs> um, have you got any any advice for any sort of editors watching, like any aspiring editors, anyone that wants to like work in the industry, work with YouTubers? Any advice for them? Yeah. So um
0: when people, I get a lot of people obviously message me quite often, and they'll say, "Geo, I want to get into editing, I want to work with YouTubers, and things like that. I want to do what you do, or whatever." I always say, um "Okay, so what's your editing experience like?" And they'll usually say, "You know, I've only just started. I've downloaded Premiere or Final Cut, or whatever. Do things that you love. So make." Things first for nothing and not for anybody for yourself. So the way that I did it when I first started out is obviously I had some YouTube channels that were I think we all did like some shitty ones earlier on, but um make things to make your friends laugh. You know everyone's got friends. Make sort of uh, edits that make your friends laugh, and that will push your creative limits to the point where you want to learn new stuff. That will motivate you because you'll always want to push um, the boundaries, and then uh, you'll realise very quickly that your skills will go up uh, Mm -hmm. tremendously. So I think that's my best advice, yeah.
1: Should they they be, like, reaching out by, like, DMs to YouTubers and that kind of thing, emailing them? Like, should they be doing that kind of thing? Twitter. Twitter Twitter Mm -hmm. is where I got my job. So uh, be active on Twitter because that is
0: where most YouTubers uh, are going to be looking out for editors. I remember,
1: like, I remember when, uh, is it Mikey who works with Will and E? I remember when he blew up on twitter because i i worked with him before he worked with will eddie he did an edit for me uh, i think it was yeah, like a team star well. video
0: did he right oh bro he is so so good he's really and, good but, 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 but going back to that yeah that's actually a really good a really good um thing that you brought that up actually so him and chip fat they both got their star on twitter by making those really interesting sort of videos to to sort of show how good they are mm-hmm. as as editors do things like that make a make a name for yourself be active in the community that's something that I'm actually not that good on is being so active on Twitter and like to the point where um, people sort of like know who you are we're entering into a new realm now where youtube editors are something like back in the day people were almost ashamed to admit they had an editor and new people that worked for youtubers that weren't even allowed to come out and say that they are um their editor because there was this idea of YouTubers being a, like part of being a YouTuber was that you do everything yourself. And it took, tu- and it took away from that mystique knowing mm. that somebody else edited the content for them in a way it's similar to when someone writes a book and they have a ghost writer. It's like, hold on a minute. This is meant to be a very personal thing. Like you're meant to be doing all this. But now, YouTube editors are not just acknowledged, but they're celebrated. And it's people like Chip Fat, it's people like Mikey that have made that possible because they're active personalities themselves on Twitter. And I'm obviously, I don't make as much of a um, of that than they do. But I think Chip Fat made a a, a reference not too long ago to them almost being like uh, footballers, like football transfers and things like that. Yeah, like you had Calyx and a few other people trying to like bid for Chip Fat like a few months ago, like the youtube editors are on the come up right now like it's it's the perfect time if you want to get into youtube editing to, and you've and if and also if you've already got a foundation and a skill then just whatever work you have whatever show reels and things that you can put together or cool edits or as i said before things to make your friends laugh put it on twitter be active on social media and put your name out there and just w- and work your way up and also don't think of yourself as sort of like i'm only going to work for the top youtubers like if you've got a channel that's got like 1,000 subscribers or even less, like work for those and, you know, do things for them. And you'll over time, you, as I said, the YouTube community in, U- in the UK is so small that you'll work your way up very easily. So,
1: Yeah, I that's always that's think that if, if you've got the talent, eventually you can rise to the top, can't you? I think especially with editing because that's like it's so visual as well. Like when, when someone sees a good editor, they know it and they want it. Like it's a powerful position to be in now.
0: Yeah. And obviously, there's there's a lot of videos out there that that inspire me. Like for instance, like Hayden who edits with Logan Paul. Mm-hmm. Like he has a great channel for talking about sort of the art because it's an art form. Creating content and editing is an art form, and that's something that I didn't realize when I was at uni. Like I always thought editing was a boring process, and I wanted to direct. That's everyone that goes into film school; they want to direct. But the most creative thing you could do is edit in my opinion because you are bringing everything together you know what i mean like you bring in all aspects the the imagery the the video the the music like all the creative components of filmmaking or storytelling is brought together and made in the edit and it is literally the most creative thing you can do so um hayden is really good at making videos that can inspire you and teach you about certain techniques and stuff like that so that's another piece of advice like if you're watching this and you want to get into editing go and watch Hayden Hillier Smith's YouTube channel because it is absolutely fantastic for that. And uh, yeah, and also like watch like content that you love and, and make notes of things that they'll do. Even I do it like now, like I'll watch people and, and go, oh, they've done this or they've done that. And it's not stealing to just sort of take ideas and try things in your own work because then you'll realize maybe even better ways of doing it. And mm-hmm. then when you make content, You'll get people that will copy styles off you or that will take things from you. Like I get told by some people that I look up to sometimes that, oh, I love this video that you made. I, t- I took this idea from you, or, or or I think even Hayden at one point said to me like, we tried this because you guys did it on whatever. And I'm thinking, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you like? Yeah, you know I mean, you never think yeah. of yourself as that way, but just constantly try and be inspired. That's yeah, and know. that's how you're gonna stay motivated.
1: Hayden's channel is definitely a good one for uh, up and coming editors to look. at. I mean, I know I'm I'm definitely, I watch his videos as well for like editing tips because obviously I have to edit my own videos. So like, I have to be that as well. So yeah. I definitely watch his channel. It's a really good one for that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got a great channel and um, I'm just constantly trying to be motivated by, I, what I do a lot is watch Netflix trailers. I feel like some of the best editing is on Netflix trailers as well. So right. that usually gives me some motivation if I'm ever lacking it.
1: That's yeah. a good idea, actually. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. They, do, they like to make them dramatic. Don't they? It's probably good, quite a good idea, actually, to try and like, build hype and stuff.
0: Like, oh, yeah. I know? mean, trailers, the, the whole idea of trailers. Trailers is basically what YouTube is, like just trying to engage people in in the short space of time. Mm-hmm. And now people's attention spans are getting less and less. So go on TikTok, watch Netflix trailers and things like that, and perfect that art of keeping people engaged with yeah. music and things like
1: that sound it's effects de- it's definitely a good place to start uh one final question i want to ask you um over sort of the years that you've been on youtube what is your favorite mm-hmm. thing that you've done as a result of being in this sort of industry
0: oh wow what a question there's been so many as mm-hmm. i say you know life's about for me is about following trajectories and picking up the fruit along the way but what is the the purest fruit i've picked up what's the best thing
1: because presumably you've probably been to some decent events like you've probably yeah yeah yeah. some good great people there's there's a lot to choose from there
0: you know what actually it's actually something that i did i did with brian um not too long ago so we've just done the the second of the this but we did a poker event at the hippodrome Mm -hmm. um back in october last year and for me that was the best thing we ever did and i've ever done on the channel because you know as I, how I said before, you know when we talk about like five million people watching the content or whatever, but you don't really think about it because it's just a number on a screen. It's yeah. just going on your YouTube Studio and seeing, all right, this did hundred thousand views or whatever, and you don't think about it. But when we went to this event, it was the first time we went to an event where it was like fans of the content that were there. So it it finally like sort of put a face on the number for mm-hmm. me. And that was great because I, I, I was able to have so many great conversations with people that watch the content and it brought this human aspect that we never really considered before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had people come up to me and talk about the rebuild, which is a documentary that we made about Brian's fitness journey that also linked to a mental health thing. And we had people that talked about how that impacted their lives and things like that. And uh, yeah, for me, that was like really eye opening, and it was such an amazing night. Um, so that for me was is, is number one of all the things that have uh, happened as a result of being involved in the in the YouTube space. And that's uh, what we just sold. did one recently. Yeah, sorry, go on.
1: And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Really, like, connecting with people. Like That's what you sort of make videos for, like, to feel, to get those emotions from people and to be able to sort of, like, meet them in person. You can really sort of feel that from them. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you get lost in it, like, because I'm
0: just, const- like, for true news and things like that, it's almost the same thing all the time. So when you take a step back and you're able to have these conversations with people and see how the content that you've made has affected them in, you know, in sometimes really powerful ways it's amazing like even at the last the, the hippodrome event not the last one but the one before we had someone that flew over from ireland like at six o'clock in the morning to come to the event and it's like why would you do that you know what i mean but then it's yeah. like oh because you love these guys so much and it's the content you know what i mean you want the opportunity to meet meet the guys and i've been to a lot of youtube events before and in my opinion it was the best because you've never you never really get an opportunity to just sit and have a drink and a laugh with all the lads and stuff so it was uh it was such a good event. We just did one recently as well. And I came second in the whole tournament. Ooh. I should have won it, but I didn't. <laughs> I literally had a big stack in the end. It was like 100. Basically, it's like 10 tables. And you've got to like win your table to get a seat on the final table. So I won my table. I got to the final table. And I came second in the whole thing. I was gutted.
1: But oh, I yeah. bet you were. Yeah. But those events are so, so good. Yeah, def- definitely. It makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? When you can sort of like sit around with people that watch, that watch your stuff yeah no
0: it was fun it was really fun
1: right well thank you very much for joining me i appreciate it i've enjoyed having having a chat it's been a long time coming yeah no worries so, honestly yeah i feel like your channel i I've, I remember seeing
0: your channel for the first time um when whatever video i saw i thought it was really good and i feel like you're you're one of those channels that is just gonna go Whoa. you're just gonna have like one video one day and then it's just gonna be like a a snowball effect oh, yeah. really hope I, can, so. I can say that in complete
1: confidence Cheers, Good man. Luck. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much for coming on. And no worries, uh, don't forget buddy. to check Geo out on Instagram and Twitter. Link will be in the description mm-hmm. below. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.